Welcome to the Shakeout Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Van Buskirk. Each week, Canadian running staff writer Maddie Kelly and I bring you the news, results, and drama from the exciting world of running. This is The Rundown. Happy Monday, Maddie. Happy Monday to you, Kate. Happy long weekend. Oh, yes. Happy. I completely forgot that it was a long weekend. I know. Most people did. So, yeah, day three of the long weekend. How has the long weekend been treating you so far? The long weekend has been good. Saturday was Saturday. I was outside all day. I did so much walking, running and cycling kind of by accident. And I actually felt torched when I tried to go for a long run yesterday. It was a poor excuse for a run. But you know what? The day in the sun was worth it. And you were out on your feet. You were getting exercise. That all counts. It all adds to the mileage. Exactly. Uh, I kind of did the opposite. I took advantage of Saturday's beautiful weather here in the Toronto area to do my long run that day. I usually do it on Sunday, but I've sort of been like switching it up depending on what the weather looks like. So I did it on Saturday. It was pretty hard 24K long run. And then I did some biking as well and a ton of walking around. Um, and yeah, by and then the same thing yesterday. And so by last evening, I was very sore. And I woke up this morning and I was like, I don't think I ran that hard, but I realized I just spent way more time outside than I normally do, which was a lovely problem to have. It's a problem I hope we have much more often. It's raining where I am right now. I don't know about you. Pouring. Yeah, pouring. Just absolutely pouring. Well, in fact, you and I both kind of said that even though we're in different cities, I think we're dealing with similar systems because we are both waiting for like the perfect one hour window to get outside for our workouts today. Exactly. And it's, you know, that is one of the the tiny luxuries of COVID-19 is those of us with uh, flexible schedules and without children can kind of do our run whenever the weather allows us for the best opportunity. So exactly. small silver linings, you know, small silver linings, take them where you can get them. Anything else exciting or interesting happened in your life recently, Maddie? I got such good pizza on Saturday night. That was exciting. No way. Me too. Yeah. Really, really good pizza. And uh, my Cinco de Mayo margaritas have continued beyond Cinco de Mayo. And I would actually say I make a very, very good at-home margarita now. Have you been mixing up the flavors at all? Like adding new juices or liqueurs or anything? Um, no, I'm just like really perfecting the classic Marg. You were my Marg inspiration. And I must say, I've also been indulging a little here and there with uh, the delicious tequila-based beverage. And I made one over the weekend that had grapefruit juice and jalapeno in it. Mm, I do like a spicy one. Oh, it was it was pretty banging. I was very pleased with it. <laughs> that that was the that was the post long run pizza and margarita. It was and actually I had a margarita pizza. So, you know, there was a theme there. It all tied in together. No kidding. Where Mexico and Italy meet. <laughs> I am never mad about that combination. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Um, so COVID restrictions are starting to ease across the country. It looks like there is some reason to be a little bit hopeful about what that might bring running wise moving forward. Yes, exactly. And while we don't have exact clarification on what that looks like in Ontario in terms of like if track meets can happen, they have announced that tracks will open. 
So that's a start. And individual sports like track are technically allowed to hold meets um, under their governing body. The only issue for runners is you have to maintain social distancing practices. So I guess you could like run a very small field of 400 or under, but for distance events, it doesn't really seem possible still for a long time. Um, I think the person who wrote those rules and you know, that's fine. You don't have to know about running, but I think the person who wrote those rules did not really know about running. But the moral of the story is we will have our facilities back pretty soon, which is very exciting. And we will be able to meet, I would imagine, in small groups to go for runs again. Um, Still at a distance, but at least, you know, some training partners around you. Cannot wait. So we are going to cover a few pieces of news from the running scene, starting with, speaking of physical distancing, this is unfortunate. Another marathon, another running event has been added to the list of cancellations for 2020, and it is the Comrades Marathon in South Africa, one of the most popular endurance events in the world. It was originally postponed last month. They announced it would be postponed, but this week it has officially been canceled. Yeah, this is uh, something that so many people look forward to. And it's unfortunate that it's canceled for 2020. However, again, like with all these goal races that have been canceled, I think it is, you know, short-term disappointing, long-term beneficial. And that's just the mindset that we have to keep. Like you said, short-term pain, long-term gain. There were a couple of fantastic runners, however, over the last week who have done some pretty extraordinary solo efforts. So the first one is Canadian Paula James, who is a 46-year-old runner from Windsor, Nova Scotia, who ran a 247 solo marathon debut. So that's only seven minutes off of the Canadian Masters record over that distance. And she has run two marathons before, but they were a few years ago before she was properly training for the event. So this was like what she calls her first official debut. It was a massive PB. And uh, she says she she wasn't sure initially if she was going to run a time trial when her goal race got canceled. But then she was like, you know what? I'm 46 years old and in the best shape of my life. I'm going to do it. She's like, when you're 46, you you know, you make hay while the sun is shining. So, uh, so she did it and she was super happy with the result and she thinks there is a lot more in the tank. So it will be exciting to see what Paula James can do. That is so fast. And I think the mental focus and the tenacity required for these solo efforts is unbelievably inspiring and impressive. We all know what it feels like to go out and do like a solo time trial, right? Like for, for whatever reason you need, you know, a quasi uh, competitive mark on the board or or just a, a check-in with the fitness, but you don't have anyone to do it with, it's so much harder to do it by yourself. Well, this is like Ben Preisner going out and debuting in a 215 by himself. Mm-hmm. So impressive. Super impressive. And especially like the Canadian records only seven minutes faster from the Berlin Marathon are probably one of the most exciting race courses you could be on in the world. And it's super impressive. Like Catherine Watkins' time is amazing. Um, But for Paula to come this close by herself, you know, just leaving from her doorstep is pretty impressive. Well, add Paula James to the ever-growing list of incredible Masters Marathon women in Canada who are just defying all kinds of odds because uh, I think we're going to see a lot more speedy times from this quick lady. 100%. So another exciting story came from an American, Zach Bitters. We've talked about him lots on the show. If you're an, if you're an ultra runner, you know this name very well. 
Over the weekend, Zach Bitters broke the 100-mile treadmill record, running 12 hours, 9 minutes, and 15 seconds. He actually stole that record from Dave Proctor, Canadian Dave Proctor, who had set it last year uh, at the Calgary Marathon. And Zach's time was over 20 minutes faster than the old world record. He averaged, Maddie, 432 per kilometer for 12 hours for 161 kilometers. On a treadmill. On a treadmill. Talk about boring. And I mean, you know, Paula James, awesome, awesome result. At least she didn't have to do it on a treadmill. Yeah. And speaking of treadmills, I actually was reading a research study today. And treadmills, because of the amount of shock absorption they have, because they're way softer than tracks and road surfaces, they can actually require like up to 5% more energy to run on than just going for a run on the road. And again, this varies from treadmill to treadmill, but you know, depending on the one Zach Bitter was using, this could have been like way faster in a different context. Right. Which makes it, yeah, just that much more impressive. That must've also just been so hot. So hot. However, uh, while this was his first 100-mile treadmill record, Bitters is no stranger to having to run really fast over this distance. He already holds the track 100-mile world record and the trail 100-mile world record. So he's been on a tear the last couple of years. His poor legs must (laughs) just be really hating him right now. But kudos, Zach Bitter. Now you have three world 100-mile records to your name. Yeah, the man loves the 100-mile. Like, I love the 1K. He loves the 100-mile. They're similar. Yeah. So, Kate, you know how there's all these records for running really fast? Yeah. There's now a record for running as slow as possible. Of course there is. So the slow mile challenge is a challenge for runners to run a mile as slow as possible. So you have to be running, as in, like, you can't have both feet on the ground at once. You have to keep moving and it is the slowest possible time to cover the mile distance. So the idea is like you're basically like running on the spot, moving forward. It very You have to move forward a little bit, but the goal is to move forward as little as possible. Like you can't just run on the spot for like hours and say it was a slow mile. You have to move forward, but just by a tiny margin. And so Molly Seidel, who is the Saucony runner who qualified for her first Olympic team at the U.S. Olympic trials, has run the slowest mile. And it took her 36.56. So just shy of 37 minutes. Her mile PB is 4.46.08 on the track. Um, However, her slowest mile PB is 36.56. That's some range, and that's not the kind of range we usually talk about. So I would imagine this would also be really painful because, like you said, there are rules, right? And I think it's all tracked through things like Strava. Like you have to have proof that you had a certain cadence um, that constituted running as opposed to walking, like you explained. Um, So yeah, your cadence needs to be between 150 and 180. This is so counterintuitive on so many levels. Obviously, most of the time that you're running, you want to go as fast as possible, but it also would just screw up your form and your like you're trying to be basically as inefficient as possible. Like I'm imagining that you would want to get as much vertical out of every step. Like you're almost bounding. Your calves would be torched. Destroyed. It would be so incredibly painful and you're doing it for so long. Is there a video of this, Maddie? It was on her Instagram story 
So now it's gone. But I did watch the Instagram story on Saturday evening. Did it look ridiculous? Yeah, she just looks like the queen of the shuffle. She looks like me on jog recovery. Right. It's almost like the sprinter jog. Yeah, You know sprinters when they have to like their recovery is technically like run a 200 meter between intervals. I've never seen anyone run as, you know, that that's where that range comes in is with sprinters because they go so fast. But when they don't want to go fast, they're the slowest runners I've ever seen. It's actually very impressive. Yeah, we're actually putting this challenge out to our sprinter friends who I think would be very good at it. I think they would too. I think this is where we could all learn from the sprints for sure. Um, this reminds me of those races, like the, in the velodromes, like the cycling races where it's just a huge game of cat and mouse. Have you seen these? So yeah, that race at the velodrome is called the Madison. So teams have to complete more laps than any of the other teams and the riders alternate in each team. They alternate during the race, like kind of handing off like a relay to other members. But yeah, you, you see these, these videos of the Madison taking place and, these cyclists are basically just balancing on their bikes, not moving at all, because as soon as one person goes, that's when the race is on. So it's like this huge game of like, hurry up and wait. Um, And then it becomes this mad dash. But that sounds very, I mean, I could imagine once the need for physical distancing is done, I would love to watch a like group slow mile race. Like I'd love to watch people doing this beside each other, because I think it would just be absolutely hilarious. Oh, yeah, a group slowest mile ever. Is this an event that's still taking place? Can folks try to run slower than the speedy Can you Molly Seidel? Slower than Molly? Post your results online and use the hashtag slow mile challenge if you want your slow mile to be discovered. And right now, the mark you're trying to not beat is 37 minutes. Beat, but the opposite. Yeah. Do worse than to win. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Strava. If you are into seeing your position on the leaderboard, among a few other things, you are going to have to start paying for it. As of today, Strava has done away with their summit program and with their package-based programs, and they have gone to just two models. Um, You either pay for the app or you don't. And if you pay for the app, it's $9.99 Canadian, but you have access to everything, including their new feature in Roots. And if you don't pay for the app, you're still able to create segments and see the top 10 for men and women on the leaderboard. However, you won't be able to see your position on the leaderboard, the entire leaderboard. You won't be able to analyze segments. So some of those features have been taken away. However, Shaba execs say that this is in order for them to basically like have a sustainable business model um, and they're still not profitable and in order for them to be profitable and make the app better for everyone they need to start charging money and judging by how obsessed so many runners are with crowns and you know crs and segment poaching i think that this is something that a lot of runners will deem worthwhile to pay for Well, and especially right now, I mean, I could imagine, I don't have any stats to back this up, but just, it would make sense to me that Strava would be having a moment right now in the age of COVID. Like, I think that probably folks are, this is like your only sort of competitive outlet is being able to go and try to steal segments from uh, from your friends and, and neighbors. So I would imagine that Strava is doing pretty well right now in terms of participation. And yes, it does make sense that they would need to uh, make some changes. I've got a hot take, Maddie, and I know it's not a popular one. Mm-hmm. I'm not a Strava person. Kate, me neither. 
I'm on Strava uh, because my boyfriend put me on Strava. So if you look at my Strava profile, it's open. Anyone can go check it out. Um, I almost only have bike rides on there. You would think I was a cyclist. Um, my runs are almost never on Strava because like, I don't really feel like I need, like most of the time when I'm running, like I've got a, I've got a training plan and it's got a very specific purpose. And like, I actually don't really like the comparison for myself. Like I would rather just like run my workouts and know how I feel about it. I don't really feel like, and like, I know my coach feels about it. And outside of that, I don't really feel like anyone else needs to see it, but like the bike is just a fun thing for me. Um, that feels pretty, well, extremely low stakes. And it's just like a good way to cross train. So I don't mind if, you know, people can see my bike rides or, um, it's kind of fun to go for like QOMs or get on leaderboards on the bike because Strava is a, a reference point for me. I, and you know what, like your, your lack of, um, Strava running affinity makes sense as well. Cause you're a track runner. Like when, when you're going hard, it's almost enti- it's almost always on the track. Yeah, it doesn't look impressive on Strava to just see like this very thick circle around right. the track with all these very random splits. Like it's not like whereas like if you go for like a long run at a hard pace, like that's kind of what people want to see and I'm just not going to be able to give you that content. Right. So, but see this is making me think because I do so many workouts on the road, uh like that constitutes a huge part of my training year round. I'm feeling like all right, here's what it is. Listeners, if you are a, a, a regular Strava user and you find it a, a, to be a very enjoyable tool and you think that it's something that I should get on, let me know why. And uh, if you can persuade me, I'll jump on Strava and, and maybe I'll become the next Strava addict. You never know. But- Kate, I actually think I think you're a prime candidate and it is fun. It's really fun. And I get like on the bike, if I have like I have a very, very small number of QOMs, but I have a few. Um, Queen of the mountain. So like the fastest time on a segment. And when people take them from me, I get pissed, which is ridiculous. Like, why do I care? But it is. It's kind of addictive. Anyway, and that's another reason why I don't do it with running because I don't want like these like CRs to derail my real training because like on some random strip of road, a stranger ran faster than me. Like, I feel like I live that in real life because, and I got to say, it's usually the gents, it's usually the men, but I'll be out for a run and, you know, just going along at a decent pace and you come up on a guy and he's going maybe just a tad slower and you know, you got to pass him because that's just the pace you're going. So, um, I find, I feel like I live out Strava in real life sometimes because my competitive side kicks in and like I know that I shouldn't pick up the pace when I'm challenged out on you know a regular aerobic run on the trail but uh nine times out of ten I do I I I bite and I'll 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 do whatever I can to make sure that I'm I'm ahead of that guy so uh, I don't know maybe this is a, a virtual version of that would be would be better for me we'll see um I'm open to it I just as of as of yet in my 32 years Strava has not been one of the things that's uh made its way into my life but that may change. All right. And our final piece of news is that World Athletics announced um, that they are releasing a an athlete welfare fund um, that was set up to and designed to help athletes who have who are struggling to pay their bills during COVID-19. So any athlete who has hit the Olympic standard in their event is eligible to apply for this. The fund includes five hundred thousand US dollars to be distributed in 
amounts of up to $4,000 per athlete for those who qualify. So this is really good to see. Obviously, again, a lot of most athletes in the sport of track and field cannot afford to pay their bills on the money that they make just from their their sport. And that makes it really challenging, obviously, especially when you're not competing and you don't have uh, things like bonuses being paid out by contracts or getting winnings from from prize money. So this is a really great initiative by World Athletics and the International Athletics Fund to help athletes struggling around the world. Did you experiment with any new recipes that you want to tell our listeners about? You know what? This week was a bit of, um, because we got some takeout this week, we had takeout twice this week, which was honestly really exciting. Um, I love eating at restaurants. I really missed restaurants. So uh, I cooked a little bit less this week. Yeah, and we had a little more takeout, but that was just, we've been cooking so much. Like I, yeah, I haven't had takeout twice in like a week in like three months. So you know what? That's my, that's my food recommendation for listeners this week. Get takeout. You know your favorite mm-hmm. restaurant? Remember it? Order from there. It'll taste so good. It's a really good tip. I've actually been doing the same. And although I agree with you, patronize your favorite restaurant, I have discovered so many new little like hole-in-the-wall restaurants in my neighborhood that are doing to-go uh, orders that I never went to before. And they're fantastic. So that's actually a great call to action, Maddie. If you have the desire and the uh, disposable income to do it, support a local business in your neighborhood and uh, get some takeout from yeah a restaurant that's struggling right now because you will appreciate it and I guarantee you the owners will appreciate it. Yeah, it really is. And it's, you know, and yeah, it's just, it feels good. It feels good to, to, to support, to support local because I want those restaurants to be open on this when this whole thing is over because I want to be able to go back there and have a fun dinner. So they're only going to be there if you take away from there right now. All right, runners. Well, as things continue to open up, stay safe, stay healthy, keep running. For the Week in Review, I'm Kate. And I'm Maddie. And we'll talk to you next week. 